His looks definitely did, because the myths say that when she saw her son, she ran away screaming. His father Hermes didn't mind his looks though, so he took Pan to Olympus where all the gods loved him, especially Dionysus, who had a fondness for satyrs as they were his most devout worshippers. In fact, Dionysus and Pan would go on to become such good pals that their worshippers would make sacrifices to both of them at the same time. Now like a lot of gods, Hermes didn't have the time to raise his son personally, so he left him with some nymphs, which may have accentuated Pan's bond with nature even more. After growing into his fully mature self, he spent all of his time wandering through the mountains and chasing nymphs, one of whom had no choice but to turn herself into a pine tree to escape his advances, and another transformed into some reeds, which Pan would then use to invent the Pan flute. If Pan's wanderings had one positive effect though, it was this. When Demeter's daughter Persephone was kidnapped by Hades, the goddess spent months mourning her loss and had taken to roaming across Greece in disguise so her fellow gods wouldn't try to convince her to end the brutal winter she started. None of the Olympians knew where she was until Pan discovered her in a cave, which is ironic when you consider his role in the Percy Jackson universe where he's the one who needs to be found. Myth 2 the mother of monsters. When the trio's train gets somewhere around St. Louis, they're confronted by Echidna, who Grover correctly refers to as the mother of monsters. But what's not so accurate is when Echidna says the monsters that Percy and friends have defeated so far were her children. Monsters like me. Well, of course they're like me. They were my children. Listen, Echidna is mama to a lot of monsters, like a concerning number of monsters with an even more concerning number of heads. Echidna, who's half woman, half snake, had these children with Typhon, the monster who came the closest to dethroning Zeus. But Percy, Annabeth, and Grover have not come across a single one of them until this episode. Her kids include, but are not limited to, the Chimera, who also makes an appearance in this episode, the dragon that guarded the golden apples of the Hesperides, the Sphinx, the Nemean Lion, Cerberus, Scylla, the Lernaean Hydra, and even the eagle that devoured the liver of Prometheus on a daily basis. The only creature that comes close to being her kid is Medusa, because Echidna was the mother of Gorgo, an ancient Gorgon who Zeus slayed before the Titanomachy. So maybe in this universe, Medusa is a descendant of Gorgo. But I'm not sure if this would be copacetic with her backstory since she was transformed into her Gorgon form. In myth, Medusa and Echidna would actually be sisters because their parents are two sea gods named Ceto and Forces. Now to reiterate something I've said previously, I'm not pointing out these discrepancies with the mythology as negatives. I just find them interesting. What I will take issue with though, is that if the Minotaur or the Furies or even Medusa are supposed to be her kids in this universe, she has no right to have beef with Percy over killing them. Because in this universe, monsters are never truly killed, but reborn in the pits of Tartarus. And if Electo is any indication, that process is faster than prime shipping. Percy killed her on his field trip, then had to kill her again like a week later, and both times were in self-defense. So relax, lady. Myth 3. Chimera. While Echidna treats Percy and his friends to the sweetest sounding threats they've ever heard, she has a yappy little chow going nuts in its carrier. But we soon learn this is no chow at all. 
It's the Chimera. In myth, the Chimera has the front body of a lion, the hindquarters of a dragon, and its middle part was a goat, which I find both hilarious and somehow terrifying. The Chimera had three heads, one for each creature it was an amalgam of, and each one of them breathed fire. The Chimera in the show has only one head, but I like its design. They deviated away from the mythology, but still managed to incorporate distinct facial characteristics from each creature. Her head and body are lion-shaped, but she has goat horns, scales, snake eyes, and frill that flares out when she's about to breathe fire. Now, I hate to do this again, but I've got to point out another discrepancy here. Annabeth calls the Chimera the demigod killer. And while that may be the case in Riordan's universe, that does not apply to the mythology. There is not a single known myth where the Chimera kills a demigod. However, she does get killed by one. The hero Bellerophon is sent to kill the Chimera by King Iobates, who was actually hoping Bellerophon would die in the process. But thanks to a little help from the gods, the hero held his own and then some. The Greek writers agree that Athena was a major help in Bellerophon getting the dub. She delivered to him his brother Pegasus to ride into battle against the Chimera, and it was Pegasus's agility and ability to fly that helped Bellerophon survive the attacks that had torn through the legions of men that attempted to take down the Chimera before. Depending on the version, Bellerophon either slayed the Chimera by hovering just out of her range and pelting her with arrows, or by shoving a lead-tipped spear into her throat. When she tried to breathe fire, the molten lead flooded her insides and she was killed. Sounds like a pretty terrible way to go out, right? Well, remember that Bellerophon was also a son of Poseidon, so I imagine it would have been real satisfying for Echidna and the Chimera to avenge that loss by taking out one of his kids in a similarly brutal fashion. Myth 4. The Nereids to pretty much no one's surprise, 12-year-old Percy is easily defeated by Echidna and the Chimera. They blow a hole in the floor of the St. Louis Arch, and after clinging on for dear life, the young demigod slips and falls to his would-be death. Fortunately, Big Daddy Poseidon intervenes and uses the nearby Mississippi River to catch Percy and bring him down to safety. And while Percy is hanging out at the bottom of the river, he comes face to face with a Nereid. Nereid is just a fancy term for water nymph. There's 50 of them in total, and they get their name from being the daughters of Nereus, the old man of the sea but they served an important purpose. These goddesses represented different aspects of the sea, from the salty brine to the sea foam, sand, rocks, waves, and currents, as well as the various skills that sailors relied on to survive while at sea. They were also seen as the protectors of sailors and fishermen and were said to come to the aid of those in distress, like how this Nereid helped Percy realize he wasn't drowning and could, in fact, breathe underwater. As great as Nereids are, though, like all gods, they have a vicious side that comes out when they aren't shown respect. A perfect example would be when Queen Cassiope of Ethiopia claimed that she, or her daughter Andromeda, was more beautiful than all 50 of the Nereids, and this infuriated them so much that Poseidon had to get involved to calm them all down. To punish Cassiope for her arrogance, Poseidon sent a sea monster, Cetus, to attack the kingdom, and to placate the sea god's wrath, the king and queen offered up a sacrifice their beautiful daughter, who they felt caused this whole mess in the first place. In reality, this was 100% the queen's fault, and the only sin Andromeda committed was being smoking hot, 
but they didn't care. They chained her to some rocks out in the sea and waited for her to be devoured by Cetus. Lucky for Andromeda, while all this was going down, our boy Perseus just so happened to be headed back to Seraphis after slaying Medusa. And as he flew by the Ethiopian kingdom, he spotted Andromeda chained to the rocks and fell in love right then and there. Using his crescent sword, the flying sandals of Hermes, and the head of Medusa, he evaded the beast's attacks, stabbed it several times, then turned it to stone. And if any of this sounds familiar, it's because this myth was the inspiration for the Clash of the Titans movie. Only they replaced Cetus with the infamous Kraken. Release the Kraken! And that is the final myth referenced in episode 4 of Percy Jackson and the Olympians. At least I think it is. I'm almost positive I hit everything, but if not, let me know in a comment. Also remember to sacrifice those 5 star and follow buttons if you learned anything from this episode and want more mythological breakdowns of the rest of the series. With this in mind, I'll speak with you again this Friday with the messed up origins of Johnny Appleseed. Until then, my name is John Solo, and remember, John shot first. Thank you.